The meteoric rise is complete. I started out as a producer and now I'm opening the show. Episode 18 of Slam City. Raymond Moore, Inqua Sonia, Jeremy Epstein here, and we are just ready to take it off. Yes, I messed up Inqua's name, but this is his last show. You've known me for years, man. How could you do me because like Because you quit and you're abandoning us. Yeah, you just abandoned us. Yeah, so. What's wrong with you? Are, what are you, a parrot? No. I'm no, just saying, he's not, no. Just, I'm your co-host. Yeah, you just so, abandoned yeah, but us. but you're parroting him now. But you still abandoned us, though. Yeah, you abandoned us, so that's on you. But forget about that. <laughs> we are going to start off talking about little Thursday night football, Patriots, Texans. Yeah. What a perf- terrible performance by the Houston Texans. How surprised are you guys that they came out that flat with the Patriots starting their third-string quarterback? Well, I'm going to tell you this. The Texans are an embarrassment to Thursday night football. Because well, Thursday Night Football is already a little bit of an embarrassment. embarrassment. Look at the uniforms they wear. It's not that great. But they got zipped by of the Patriots who have a third-string quarterback. Now, that doesn't uh, affect their defense, but though. Not, yeah, but no, I'm just – no disrespecting to Belichick because he is a great coach and you prepare them, you know, to win this game, of course. But looking at the whole game itself, it's just like Texas couldn't even score at all. And they made Brock Osborne look like an, a below-average quarterback. Well, he is. What did he, What has he proved in his – few snaps with Denver last year that he was better than a below average to an average quarterback. I thought he, was he wasn't even better than a hurt Peyton Manning. Can we think about that for a second? Peyton Manning could barely throw. Well, well that's because like you Peyton Manning brings more than just his throwing ability. He brought his you know mind to the game, which, I is, get a lot, that. which is more important. And, and, it's big, and big forehead. I too. get that, but wow, <laughs> we really going there. But all I'm saying is, if you were supposed to take the reins from an aging quarterback and you fail to even resonate anything, then what's the point? But I want to go to something, probably the only coherent thing that Phil Simms said all night on the broadcast last night. It's a shot at Phil. What did Phil do to you? Here's what he said about the way the Patriots ran their offense. They did a lot of running stuff that kept the Texans off balance, so the front four couldn't really get anything done. So that's more of a credit to... Belichick, I think. Well, then, then if you're Houston, Houston, why don't you put eight guys in the box and try to stop the run and make them throw the ball? That's what I don't understand. Yeah. You have the third-string quarterback in. Why don't you literally put everyone on the line, blitz every play, and to no st- make, make um, Brissett beat you with his arm? Because as soon as they throw a one screen pass underneath, and the, he only if they throw a screen, if, they th- if you throw a screen pass, if that's you put perfect. It, if you put eight in the box and he lost it over, it, you never know. Because nah, it could go on. I think they should have done that, though. They should have stacked the, the you box. you got to stack the box to make him a throw. quarterback who can't throw. Yeah, make him throw because you know he can run. We saw him score a touchdown in the first half on, with his legs. So we got to make him be a thrower, and they didn't make him be a thrower You've at all. You've seen what teams have done to the Jets when Geno Smith was a quarterback. They make him beat you with his arm. Geno has mobility. They stuffed eight guys in the box, and they made Geno Smith beat them with the arm. And obviously the Jets did not win a lot of games with Geno Smith as a quarterback. A lot of things really contributed to that, but you do have a point there. That being said, at least we know that Bill Belichick, if he hasn't proven it before, whether you like it or not, he's probably the greatest coach. I don't. That's tough. You have Bill Walsh. You have Vince Lombardi. I mean, people like to forget the past just because he's having success now. Got a love revisionist history. But he's having success now. There's also a ton of uh, controversy surrounding Belichick. You have Spygate. You have the deflated footballs. Like, what are the controversies surrounding Vince Lombardi? I take that silence as meaning something. <laughs> well, I mean, I get this. Belichick, I think, has proven that he is the greatest co- coach based on these maybe three games without Brady. So he forget so, all the Super Bowls. So three games. Forget the four Super Bowls they won. 
He doesn't have Tom Brady for three games, and now and he beats three mediocre teams. The only team you could think of who was possibly could have been a contender was Arizona. He beats Miami and he beats Houston. That that's convinced you he's the greatest coach of all time. I just not winning it, four Super Bowls. Him beating three garbage teams. Or winning system, eleven games though. with Matt Castle under center. But so okay, so itself. that's that's a good point. So would you say that New England's success? Because this is a a point people are bringing up now, even though I think it's ridiculous. Even though I'm not the biggest Tom Brady fan, you think that their success is a product of the Patriots system offensively, not as ta- not at the people who are as talented. That's the system. I think as of right now, but you gotta have talent to make it. Okay, even so better. like to put it to put it succinctly, did Bill Belichick make Tom Brady, or did Tom Brady make Bill Belichick? I think Bill Belichick made Tom Brady based on these three games. I, I would have to agree, but as he grew into who he is now, they ended up bringing out the best in each other. But from the start, I think Belichick did make Tom Brady. Yeah, because if you look at it. You know, when it comes to the NFL, when the quarterback wins, they're going to say, well, he did it, and it was barely any coaching. But then, you know what Tom Coughlin said last year when when he got fired? I think that I disagree what, with you on that, though. No, but the co- co- coaching in the NFL is not like coaching in, like, the NBA or things like or that. Or any other you, sport. Yeah, the, the one place where you could actually say coaching makes 100% difference is the NFL. But you know, though, that a lot of people, when they say then they win the game, it's the quarterback because it's a star-driven quarterback league, right? You know what Tom Coughlin said last year before he got fired? You know, when you guys win, you guys get the credit. But when we, when we lose, it's on the coach because it's like it's his fault. It's never really the quarterback. Well, the whole saying is the players play and the coach is coach. But if there's a situation like take the Super Bowl when Seattle decided to throw the ball instead of run, you could look at it and say that was a mistake by the coach. Yeah, well, it's also, yeah, pretty much is because at that time when the Seahawks made that incredible catch and then back in their minds, the Patriots had like unbelievable, another believable catch in the Super Bowl. They're thinking like they lost well, this the game. Well, the Patriots, like what you're saying is like the Patriots are really close to losing three straight Super Bowls all because of fantastic catches. Yeah. You have Eli throwing to David Tyree. Yeah. You have the Manningham catch and then you have the, I think Curse was the guy. Yeah, who Curse that. call, yeah. yeah. That was so, unbelievable, that catch yeah. too. And then it was actually Malcolm Butler forgot to touch him, and Kurz actually got up and almost ran for the, the yeah. touchdown. But I, I don't know. It's tough to convince me that Bill Belichick is the greatest <laughs> coach of all time. Maybe it's my natural New York bias or the fact that my Giants beat them in two Super Bowls. Well, he's also – he was a, a defensive coach for the Giants too. Well, no, he, he has people, a pedigree of like yeah. of clearly of a high level of success. No one's denying that. When you say someone's the best to ever do it, you obviously are going to be scrutinized a little more because you have to decide, is he actually, all the years of football, is Bill Belichick the greatest person to um, roam the sidelines? But you also had Lawrence Taylor, too, when he was a defensive coach of the Giants. Yeah, I so mean, you that, could say, well, you crazy. have to have talent to yeah, be good. Yeah. If Bill Belichick was coaching us three, we'd be he'd be terrible. Because we wouldn't win a game. Mm, I think. Nah, I think. I think we'll win a game. No, we, no, we wouldn't. wouldn't. You wouldn't. You mind? If we were a coach on the Bill Belichick, we won at least one. We game. We would win one game. One. There's three of us. You need eleven guys on a football field. <laughs> so well, you need eight okay. more people. Let's say it's a bunch. But no, that's ridiculous. To play on Just, one side of the ball. Let's say it was a bunch of us though, and there's like. Uh, Average you need players. talent. Yeah, average like, players. There's the same argument. No, it's the same argument people make with Phil Jackson. Well, he had Michael Jordan. He had um, Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. So that doesn't mean he's not a great coach. No, he won a CBA championship with the Albany Patroon. Like, Phil Jackson has <laughs> a – yeah, he's a good coach. But you could argue talent makes a coach. But you have to get guys to buy in. Phil Jackson got guys like Michael Jordan to trust his teammates. He got guys like Shaq and Kobe to semi-get along. And Bill Belichick has gotten people to buy into the Patriot way. You could say there are a few people like Chad Johnson who kind of didn't work out with them. And um, I think Albert Hainsworth was in training oh, camp. So there are some – but he 
just gets rid of them. If you don't buy in, you leave. And that's the thing Bill Belichick has been able to do really well. Well, it's also like what Kobe Bryant said. Like, you know, if we're talking about those titles, like, you, you got to win with a bunch of scrubs on the court. You need he, talent, you, got, you need talent. Yeah, you need so talent. So it's, it's an unfair comparison to say, like, okay, the coaching is the reason they win or the talent makes the coach. It's obviously a combination of both. That's why you have a head coach. You, don't, you just don't have a bunch of random coaches. Here's an interesting question, though. When we talk about the Patriot way and how firmly Belichick sort of adheres to it, we may not call him the greatest coach of all time. Could we call him one of the most feared, if not oh, the absolutely. most feared? Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh, he's just every, he's every just time. He's crap out of me every time. <laughs> <laughs> like, just look what he wears on the sidelines with the hoodie. But every time anytime you say you're going up against a Bill Belichick coach team, you know you're in for a fight. Yeah. So obviously he's one of the most. Fe- he's a he's a fantastic coach, definitely top five all time. I would argue it, that wouldn't kind of make him the most feared, in my opinion. Well, he, the most feared maybe in this era, but you don't remember you. None of but us we, were but around. We, but we but we always have to look back at the eras before that when it's, men were men in the football. It's tough to look at. Tough to say the greatest coach that Vince Lombardi the the thing that the trophy is named after. Yeah. Is not the greatest coach of all time. Well, I mean, the, tro- the highest level of achievement in the team that you could win in an NFL season. Well, I mean, the Packers, you know, as a franchise, I'm saying as a franchise for everything, including the Super Bowl, they had 13 world championships, and Lombardi was part of most of that. So people consider Lombardi to be. But then you could best. say is Lombardi because he had Bart Starr and he had a lot yeah. of great players. So is he? But it doesn't make any sense. So, but he invented the sweep. He he did all the. Well, plays, Bill Belichick's innovative line. too. If you look at a couple years ago with him and Josh McDaniels, when they put the extra lineman in or they made him eligible, they mm-hmm. took it out. Yeah. So Bill Belichick's innovative. Don't get me wrong. Look what he did in the Super Bowl against the Buffalo Bills. He said when he was with the Giants, he said we're going to make Thurman Thomas beat us. Yeah. And we're going to let Thurman run for a hundred yards, and they, the Giants ended up winning that Super Bowl when they were a complete underdog. So it's a tough decision. It's a tough conversation to have. I still wouldn't say he's the greatest coach of all time. Now, would you maybe agree with this, that based on these games and what Belichick's been doing, that Payne Manning is better than Brady? That's all. The the Manning-Brady thing is never going to end. When they went head-to-head, the records were similar. I think Brady had more wins. Peyton won the last one. So, I mean, if you think Tom Brady is a product of the um, New England Patriots system, then you're going to say Peyton Manning's a better quarterback. But... If you don't think that, then you might say Tom Brady because he has more championship success. He has more playoff success. So, what Pay Manning was with Belichick. Well, that's you a whole different thing. They went a lot of Super Bowls. That's a whole different thing. You could look at it's more about well, you could have a great quarterback, and if your defense is terrible, the Indianapolis Colts had terrible defenses yeah, a lot. Yeah. So, but yeah, it, it's tough. I still think it, that you might have to take Brady, even though I'm a Manning guy. I mean, based on it, I just say that the system in NFL, also probably any sports, is that it's important for a success of a player. Well, it's like basically the running gun in basketball. New England really started that in 07 when they got Randy Moss. Yeah. Putting up a lot of points and just trying to outscore people. So, which is odd considering Belichick was a defensive head coach. So, you could say he's clearly he's pivoted and he's made a lot of adjustments that have made him the great coach he is. So that's why people do consider him to be the greatest coach of all time. Now, coming back from Thursday, though, looking at this game between the Texans and the Patriots, are the Texans even a considered contender after what, what happened yesterday? They were no, I don't think it, they're never a serious Super Bowl contender anyway. Just because the team's on hard knocks two years ago and they make <laughs> it look like they can win the Super Bowl doesn't mean they're good. Look at the Rams. They were on hard knocks. They're terrible. Yeah. Like the Texans, they don't have a – I don't like their quarterback. I don't think Brock Osweiler is that good. They gave him a ton of money. Too much. You have J.J. Watt on the defensive end. You have Vince Wilfork on the defensive who else do they have other than DeAndre Hopkins? Look, they got Clowney also on the defensive end. And they do have still. Lamar Miller, who is supposed to, who is a pretty good two 
threat back. Dual yeah, threat but back, if you me. all they have to do, look what New England did. They didn't score a point yesterday. At all, literally. They like they, literally they were in the New England's territory until like the fourth quarter. Exactly. So clearly their offense isn't that great. They're not a contender. Then I would if the Houston Texans win the Super Bowl or even make the Super Bowl or even the conference championship game. I'd be very surprised. They're only a contender to make the the playoffs because the AFC South is a huge toss up. Well, right you got now. like Indianapolis is terrible. Their their offensive line is just awful. Jag the Jaguars are enigmatic. Yeah, like you don't know what you get from them. Well, you used to you watch out. the game yesterday, last week. They lost the Chargers thirty eight to seven. Like I said, they're enigmatic. They're supposed to have a fire breathing offense with two a great wide receivers. Yep, the a rejuvenated Julius Thomas. T.J. Yeldon in the backfield, and they only put up seven points. The Packers vulnerable as well, too. I mean, they're the Packers aren't even that great anymore now because now they lost to the Vikings, but also well, offensively. Vikings have a good team, though. Yeah, but offensively, the Packers, they aren't the same. I mean, A, Lacey lost weight, and he still looks like he's the same he was last year. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what he's done or anything. And then, yeah, Jordan Nelson coming back, and it's going to take him a while to get used to. But Rodgers also, he has an offensive line. He has to do all his plays basically on, like, on the run. Well, that's a, that's a big thing in football. You need to protect the quarterback. Yeah. If you can't protect the quarterback, you can't give time for the plays to develop, you're not going to be successful. Many, a lot of teams have had – the Jets were successful last year because their offensive line, all the players on there kind of had career years. Yeah. If you look at this year now, the Jets' offensive line is a little iffy. It's a little iffy, but I think they're slowly shifting to an offensive team as well. All right, so speaking of the Jets – one and one, they come off a thirty-seven, thirty-one win, which I don't think that's a good win. That's, against, that's, that's not, a, it's good not win. a good win at all. No. That's not a great win. Here, here's the win. thing: Buffalo shouldn't be scoring thirty-one points at all. And even and though big the offense, plays too, yeah. And the thing is, the offense gifted them seven with the fumble return for a touchdown. But Tyrod Taylor, he is underrated as a quarterback. He did make the Pro Bowl, <clears throat> albeit as an alternate. But but that one big play. Had no. He had a couple happened. big plays. He had an 84 yard. The, the good one. 86. And then he had a 77 for Salas. Which, as people who have been around the Jets know, Greg Salas is not the speedster who should be able to get wide open. <laughs> so in He's other words, at best a possession receiver. So, in other words, the, the Jets have a lot of questions to really ask themselves about their secondary because McCoy didn't do much. I, uh, but he broke yeah. one run, but, yeah, he didn't do much. Well, their defensive line is just so good. McCoy is just horrendous right now. Well, like, Buffalo's, been, just Buffalo's a mess. They fire, They score 31 points, so naturally their decision is to fire their <laughs> <own> <laughs> coordinator. Well, they couldn't fire their brother because, you know, Rex Ryan. They Dennis Thurman's a defensive coordinator. They could have fired him too then. They should have fired him. They couldn't fire Rob. Dennis Thurman's been with Rex Ryan his entire coaching career. Dennis Thurman really was with the Jets. He's look, not going anywhere. Look, I know as far as they're close and everything, the business is a business. And if you're not doing your job, you got to get fired. He fired Greg Romans. <laughs> like, he, he, they scored 31 points and fired the guy who scored 31 points. That it, makes no sense. Well, like, week before their offense was terrible. Yeah, it made no sense. I did not. They made him post for the team picture, and then they fired him. Yeah. <laughs> Why would so they do weird. that? The highest paid, Only in Buffalo. Highest pay offensive Yeah, he's making a ton NFL. of money, too. Yeah. And a lot of it's guaranteed. He's, they have to pay him next year. Yeah, so he's like, I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah, I'd be perfectly fine. There were rumors that he hated Rex anyway. So, if anything, like this guy got the greatest deal in the world. <laughs> yeah, Rex is just... Because he got fired after his team actually played well offensively on his side of the ball. So, if anything, like it wasn't my fault. We scored 31 points. It's not my fault Rex couldn't stop a nosebleed. Well, Rex, he's going to get fired regardless probably this season. They don't go anywhere. So. Well, it's tough. So, now you look at the Jets who – do come off that win, which we all agreed is not good. Not a great win. But it was a must win because they're going into Kansas City, going to Arrowhead. What do you make of that matchup? I think the Jets need to outscore the Chiefs to win this game. Well, obviously, you have to outscore <laughs> anybody to win the game. 
But Ray, do you know how, do you know how sports work? No, you have I to know score that. more points than the other team. No, but I'm saying, as terms of, I don't think I don't think the Jets' defense can can slow down Alex Smith and the offense at home. I'm saying, so they gotta have to outscore and win this game. So you're gonna have to say it's gonna be a shootout type game. They're, I think it might be a shootout type of game. It, okay, your terminology's off, but you're making somewhat <laughs> sense. Uh, Ray. <laughs> you know, to win a game, you have to score more points oh, I know that. than the other oh, team. I know that, but I should have said it more in terms of they but need so to you shoot think, out. Yeah. What do you think of what do you make of Darrell Rivas? <laughs> a lot of talk about that. You know, he's he's pretty much done. People are saying that done. you know he's he's lo- he lost the closing speed, which is that's factually accurate. His contract now people are calling it albatross. So what do you make of Darrell Rivas? And I think though Kansas City doesn't really have that great receivers, so yeah. I think. I believe they have Macklin on one end. Travis Kelsey's their tight end. Yeah, he's a mismatch. Revis isn't covering the tight end. He's not covering. No, I, I'm, no but you said that you were talking about the. Yeah, weapons, but if you a so. couple years ago, their wide receivers didn't catch a touchdown the whole year. Yeah, that was the year of Dwayne Bow and somebody else. Yeah, but Dwayne Bow used to be a pretty good receiver. So and Jamar Charles, he's not playing this game. And so it's nah, pretty that's much. Shandrick, that's a Shandrick West game for sure. Yeah, but that, their backup is still good. Yeah, Spencer Ware. And West on the team, those guys are still good, like running back wise. So they gotta watch out with them. But you know, looking at the whole team offensively for the Chiefs, they could, it's not like they can still they can't score. They can still score. So what do you make of Darrell Rivas though? Because that's the focal point. Because of the he's the quarterback of the defense, being that the number one corner, he's gonna cover the top guy, and he's had some pretty rough two weeks so far. Honestly, this is a good bounce back game for him, because it's like we just said. The Chiefs don't have the most talent on the outside, number one. And number two, because the Jets' front four is so prolific and the Chiefs don't have much in the backfield, Jamal Charles is not the Jamal Charles of old. And you're still wondering whether West is going to do what Chiefs fans hope he'll do. This is the perfect game for Rivas to reassert himself in that secondary to regroup. So and to – to make a contrary point, though, if he has a terrible game this week, what does that say about where That's he is not at? That's good. Well, they're going to have to adjust then. I mean, how? he's having a terrible game. You know how much game, money they're paying him? Yeah, but I'm saying if you're going to make him look bad on the field, getting burned by receivers anywhere, you got to do something. He got burned by a guy who is so an ex-Olympian. Yeah, but like, track runner, that's all he could do. He yeah. can't run routes. He can't really <laughs> do much else. All he has is speed. And he got burned there. He knew what's coming. It's like if you know a fastball is coming and you sit on the fastball and you still get blown by it in baseball. Like, Darrell Rivas knew he's going to run straight ahead. Maybe it's time for him to be to that role of safety, then. You if, think, he can't, if he can't do this. It's a little soon. I think it's a little soon. It's a little soon. I mean, he had a rough gonna, year last do? year, though. He didn't have a Darrell Rivas-type year last year. But the year before with the Patriots, he was a shutdown corner. If you look at it, the year he had with Tampa Bay after his injury – they played him in a lot of zone coverage. He really didn't have the Darrell Rivas year. So if, over the last four years, he hasn't really been the same type of shutdown corner, um, save for the one year with the Patriots. But what are you going to do then if you just going to get burned almost every play? In a big well, the Jets play? had to – you look at a couple years ago. They had no corner. They had Darren Walls and Antonio Allen as their cornerbacks. But so, uh, at least they had decent speed, both of them, you know. Maybe that- Darren Walls and Antonio Allen? But I'm just saying. Allen like, was a decent we, CB. I don't know about uh, it. Antonio Allen was a converted safety who they and decided was, to move the cornerback because they were so desperate. But one guy who was playing well for them though was Marcus Williams. The interceptions in both games yeah, so far. Yeah, he's doing good so far. So, but Revis, like you know, he's getting older, so he's not going to be the same he was three years ago. I mean, you are when you get older, you're not you're going to have more experience. But, but the thing with Revis is, they said that he's such a technician <laughs> that he would the, the decline wouldn't be so quick. Yeah. And if you look at what's happening, 
the decline is coming very quickly. Well, as a supporting teammate for Rebus, Brandon Marshall says that he's the best corner in the league. And that's what, what is he, he to say? Supposed to what say is he that? to say? He's a bomb. He well, can't play? I'm just saying. I'm saying a supportive teammate. Had to Brandon say Marshall that. said Geno Smith was the man at quarterback <laughs> last year. And then Fitz came and, in, and, and now all of a he's Ryan Fitzpatrick. I tell you this: Brandon Marsh will be the best teammate you could have on a team because you, you could like be the worst player in one position. He'll still say you're the best in the league. And or I'll tell you right guy. now: I'll tell you right now, there are a bunch of fans in Chicago and Denver who disagree with that wholeheartedly. Well, look at Chicago though. But the Chicago's a, a mess. With Jay Cutler, Chicago's a mess. Jay Cutler stinks, and he's not even a, a good quarterback anymore. Now he's like bottom five, I think, right now, worst quarterbacks. If you look at what he's been doing for the past couple he, he, years. Jay Cutler's a mess. Chicago's a mess. Yeah. John Fox leaves, gets fired from Denver, says, yeah, I'm going to take the Chicago job. Uh, yeah, it's worse. Probably should have waited for another position. <laughs> or I should have went to Atlanta or something. Or maybe the Giants. The oh, Giants maybe. had a head coaching. They had, no, they had, no, he, he took the job the year the before, before they fired right. Tom Coughlin. But, you know, speaking of the Giants, 2-0. and Everyone thought they're playing the Saints. It's going to be a shootout. It was a defensive battle. What do you make of the Giants after the first two weeks of the season? Do you think they're a contender? Oh, yeah, they're definitely a contender. They're more balanced. Are they team. favorites in the NFC East? Yeah, because they're a more balanced team in the NFC East. They have the defense, and then they have the offense. Even with Philadelphia's quarterback? Yeah, I mean, these first couple of games, they face mediocre teams. So we're going to see how they feel against uh, tougher teams. I have teams. to agree. I would say the Giants are probably the favorites. I've never been a big Kirk Cousins guy. Mm-hmm. I've never believed. I don't think he's really that good. I think he kind of had a year like RG3 had. When in his first year where he played really well and the team had a lot of success, so people think he's the next guy. Yeah. So I do think the Giants are the favorites. Though. I love what the Giants have done in the offseason. Victor Cruz looks like he's back. Odell Beckham, those two are dynamic in the, uh, from the wide receiver. If Larry Donnell, you know, knows how to catch the pass, <laughs> he'll be really good. He knows how to catch the difficult passes, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, Larry Donnell, is, he's a good tight end. If he could be more consistent, the Giants have a high-powered offense. And the thing with Eli, if you put the talent around him, he's, Eli is the type of quarterback that can win you games. Oh, Just sure. look at Sterling Shepard. I mean, the rookie has come right out of the gate and really said, hey, NFL, I'm here. But one thing I've got to be looking for as the weeks go on, last year because Odell Beckham was really the guy and they would force it to him, I think I'd be interested to see how those looks are going to spread out more. We saw in the la- in the first couple weeks that because those – looks have sort of spread out, the Giants' scoring is still kind of Well, something a little, bit. a little bit different about the Giants this year, though. Last year and the year before that, they found ways to lose games like the ones they've won, where they'd have <laughs> leads in the fourth quarter, and they'd be the ones who, if they get a field goal blocked to take the lead, or they'd be the ones giving up the big plays, if, or they'd be the player who didn't run out of bounds in the fir- in week one. High turns was. So the Giants are actually, they've, they've kind of turned it around. It's, there's something different about the Giants, because those are games the last few years that they'd lose, and lose really badly, the games that they should have won. And now these are games that they're actually winning, so it's gonna. It's really interesting to see the turn in the team. Maybe the head coaching change was necessary. Ben McAdoo's doing a pretty good job so far. They actually got the D- Steve Spagnuolo some talent on the defensive end. So that's why he wasn't fired last year because their defense was just they had no talent. And that defense is really, really dangerous. I mean, one of my friends is a big Giants fan. He was talking about it earlier, and I didn't really catch it until later. The fact that you still have DRC and you still have a revamped front four, and the rookies are contributing very early. So I think that's going to help out that secondary big time. But also, you know, looking at the Giants' defense itself, you know, some people are saying now that they're probably top five defense in the league. Oh, who's saying that? Well, I'm saying, like, Beckham, some analysis that's around offense. the league. No, but I'm saying the defense of the Giants. I don't think they're a top five defense. You don't think they're a top five defense? I don't think they're a no. top five defense. They spent, all, they spent all that money. 
Yeah, they, and they want to make sure that they're better than last year, and they are better than last year. They're way year. better than last year. They actually have talent on the team. But potentially, I think they could be a top five, top ten. If everyone plays the back of their football card, then yeah. I mean, you have Dominique rogers Camardi, who's a good corner. You have Vernon, who they, Vernon they gave a ton of money to. So I, I still I, I find it hard to believe they're a top five defense. That NFC East, though, it's it's so inconsistent. One year, they'll all win ten games, and it'll be a really close competitive division. Then the year, like last year, where they were all kind of in it to the end, and the Giants finished 6-10, and 10, were still in it. So it's tough over with the NFCs. But I would say, with Tony Romo out, even if Tony Romo came back, I'd still think the Giants would be the favorite favorites in that division. Yeah, I think I think they will either way. But, you know, based on their schedule, though, they should be able to win at least more than 10 games. Yeah, we, when we did our picks, we went through the Giants have a relatively easy schedule. The yeah. Jets, on the other hand, their schedule is terrible. Yeah. Like, they it's have difficult. games like in Kansas City, which <laughs> they break the decibel record every time they play. Because Arrowhead is a, an absolutely pit of a place to play. And it's the exact same place where the Chargers went in up 21, either 28 or 21, and then they blew it. Yeah, they blew it big time, and that's going to, you know. The Chargers aren't a good team. But They're not, but it's the principle. It's, it's still the thing. No, it's the point that no no matter how far they're down, Kansas City still has a chance at home. Nobody is safe. So. Nobody's safe indeed. But, you know, look, but based on this matchup with the Giants against the Redskins, I'm going to pick the Giants Well, everyone's going to look about, they, everyone wants to see Beckham and Norman. Yeah, but I think it's much more than that. I mean, those guys are gonna get go at each other, but it really is gonna be on who makes the big time plays in this game. I gotta disagree because the big plays are gonna come from Odell Beckham and what Washington's been doing with Norman. For some reason, they don't always put him on the number one guy. Sometimes they mix and match. Since he's got a history with Odell Beckham, I think you, they're they, gonna throw you him have right. To. The Giants yeah. have been calling out Josh Norman since week one. Exactly. So that that's really what you have to watch. Point blank. Period. That's the matchup people want to see. They want like because Josh Norman. Say what you want about him as a player, he shut down Odell Beckham last year. Yeah, he did. Until so like, people the are gonna and the now Beckham really wants you know to prove that he's the better player. He's the better side side of the ball. And so and he Norman talked a lot of trash. So but he always talks trash. Yeah, but Odell Beckham took a lot of that personally. Yeah, but he's got to understand. He, threw, he used his game. helmet as a weapon and tried to attack him. You gotta understand though, it's a football game. Yeah, like, but the point like, is that Odell Beckham—he circled this game on his calendar and said, "I need to have a big game. I need to prove myself." After getting punked last year by Josh Norman, you don't think Norman did the same thing? Circle on his calendar, saying, "I you think know, o- I got you too." If like, you look at all the like in the off season when Josh Norman was on shows, you'd see Odell Beckham tweet about Josh Norman being on the show. So clearly, Odell Beckham has a strong grudge and really wants to, <laughs> yeah, go, yeah, wants they, to yeah. avenge himself. If I was his teammate, though, I'd just tell him to not let this thing get into his head and just win. Well, like, that's don't true. Play, don't, don't play into that mind game with him because that's how you're going to lose y- yourself and then you're not going to be as great as you were if, if you just for focus on that's the task No, you're 100% right because if, like, what happened last year happens again, but if this is a close game, it's going to be really bad for the Giants because Odell Beckham is such a great player. If he takes himself out of the game mentally and ends up committing some sort of personal foul that gets him tossed, That that's terrible for the Giants. It could cost them the game. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of, you know, football overall, you know, you got week three. There's so many matchups. Pretty much we had yesterday and we have Sunday and then we have Sunday night football. What do you guys think you're more interested in seeing besides the Giants and Jets? I'm focused on the Giants and Jets. I have all the matchups though. Like this gotta be like one. So who game. do you who do you want who do you want to see? I mean, personally for me, because you know it's week three, 
I'm curious to see how Seattle rebound That's against true, the 49ers. That's true, because they played terrible. They play, if yeah. Seattle has a bad game against San Francisco, yeah. that's something, because San Francisco is a terrible team. Yeah, they're a terrible team. And also, if they have a terrible game against San Francisco, then they face the Jets next week. Well, yeah, Seattle's not tough. looking that scary. So Yeah, so the Jets are like saying, that we're at home, we can take advantage well, of the Well, that's the thing, when we right went now. through the picks, we said we have to see how the teams play. And I was the one who said, I always thought, I'm, I love Seattle, I think they're a really good team. But if... So I marked that as a loss, most likely. So once you see Seattle struggling out of the gate, offensively scoring three points against the Rams, the Rams have a good defense. They don't have that good of a defense. Yeah, I mean, 49ers just scored 28 on them, so I don't know how Seattle yeah. scored three. So, I mean, you can because their offensive line is trash. They have a mobile quarterback. They run the option. They yeah. should be able to. He should be able to buy time with his they legs. They should and make plays. be able to, but he's not. But he's not able to make plays. And the running backs don't get any push either. Also, that offensive line is killing them. Also, Wilson has a high ankle sprain. He's playing through right now, so it's kind of hard for him to even move as, it, as he was healthy. So that's a problem for the Seattle. Well, obviously, I mean, it's tough. Seattle, they definitely. They, I, I think they regret that. They regret letting Okung uh, walk in free agency. To, I think he went to Denver. So they like they traded their center. They kind of broke up their offensive line willingly. They traded their center to New Orleans for Jimmy Graham. I think they'd want their center back right now. <laughs> oh yeah. So they that was one of their strengths. Their offensive line. They kind of picked it apart to kind of compete, get a red zone threat, threat like Jimmy Graham. So yeah. that that the reason Seattle was so successful is because they're both sides, their O line, their D line, were able to control the line of scrimmage. And, and right now that's not happening. Their defense is playing well. Yeah, they're playing good. But the offense—that's not good. The worst, probably the worst offense in the league right now. Um, you know, I'm interested to see the, how the Vikings bounce back. They're just getting hit with injury after injury, <laughs> and they're still two zero. Would you be shocked if Bradford was injured the next game? No, it's, I'm expecting <laughs> that. <to happen. laughs> if anything, the fact that Sam Bradford's healthy through two games is amazing. Is I know he only started; he, he only played a significant role in one. Yeah. But the fact that he's still healthy is amazing. He went through a whole training camp and was healthy. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's one battle I'm looking at, and it's the battle for the Keystone State between the Steelers and the Eagles. You got Big Ben going up against Carson Wentz, who's had, like we mentioned earlier in the show, he's had he's two made some pretty nice good throws. Games. If you look at some of the throws he made, like that one throw to Jordan Matthews that Matthews dropped that would have been a touchdown, it was a beautiful throw. And people so, so gave him so much misery from coming from a smaller school. But – he was that good then when yeah, the Cleveland, North Dakota State won all those titles, and he's showing And, now. like, the Cleveland Browns, there was a story that they fired people who thought he'd be a good quarterback. Yeah, because they're great evaluators of quarterback Clearly, talent. Because the Cleveland Browns, they're no, absolutely known for quarterback stability. Yeah, but, I mean, but I think, yeah, you're right. The Eagles are going to be interesting because we're going to see if the Eagles are really considered a contender in the NFC East if they beat the Steelers. Well, that's true because I really you look who the Eagles beat so far. Yeah. It's like well, they beat, it's a couple nice wins. Yeah. But if they beat the Steelers, who are a really good team, strong offense, decent defense, you have to. If you're the Giants, you have to look at them like, wow, these guys are actually for real. And give credit to Doug Peterson. He, I know John Gruden mentioned it in the broadcast this past Monday. Doug Peterson's really taking Wentz under his wing, a former NFL quarterback. They're actually like molding him. You know, and that's something sometimes younger quarterbacks aren't afforded the chance to get, which every young quarterback should have that opportunity, especially if they're thrust right into the starting role. But got to give Philadelphia a lot of credit for how they're letting him. You can look at so you can com, uh, contrast it to the and compare it to the other to the Los Angeles Rams, how they're not really doing anything with Goff right can now. Can we ask ourselves why Case Keenum is still? Starting? I don't know. Because like, who? Like, why would you put? Case? It's not like the team is good. <laughs> 
Like you pick, you said that the Giants and Jets would have difficulty with the L.A. Rams this season when we did our picks. I was like, no, they're not. Look who's their quarterback. I was banking on it being a defensive Donnybrook, but since seeing as the Jets, way. but seeing as the Jets are actually clicking offensively and the Rams are putrid, I take that back. And they also gave up twenty-eight points to the San Francisco 49ers. who are starting Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, you're making my point. <laughs> I just don't, don't didn't you hear me just say I take back what I said? It's just like the Rams. I don't understand why Case Keenum's starting. It's, the NFL. It's, it's because Jeff Fisher can't coach, and or maybe it's because they think Goff's not ready at all. You maybe. might as well toss him you out might there as at this well point. Just say you know what? We, he's the number one overall pick. We have to get him on tape. We have to get him some reps against number one defenses. Maybe they think that Goff's really the, that awful that they can't. Well, that was yet. a terrible pick. Then he was the number one overall pick. <laughs> so then here's the compare contrast. We talked about how. The Eagles built around Carson Wentz. Chris Weinke is his quarterback's coach. First time ever. Rob. What could go wrong? Not just that. Their offensive coordinator, he used to be an offensive line coach. It's what his could first go wrong? time. And Jeff Fisher, by nature, is a defensive Has guy. He not made, hasn't he made the playoffs, not made the playoffs since 2003? He hasn't had a winning season since like the late 2000. How does he still have a job, this guy? You gotta love having respect, whatever the hell that means in NFL circles nowadays. Like, I, if I'm the Rams, they hired the coach who lost to them in the Super Bowl all those years ago. Wow, that's a he has to just walk buddy. past that trophy. <laughs> if I'm him, like Jeff Fisher, just must be a masochist. He just like must love seeing that trophy and all those headlines that you know the Rams win the Super Bowl after Kevin Dyson got you know tripped up at the one yard. Here's one question though: Why is Fisher still the coach? I just asked that. I don't know. Because where have you been? What I've does been. he have on somebody? I don't know. Ooh, conspiracy theory. How is Jeff? I, I don't understand. Like, what is, what is Jeff Fisher bringing to the table that so a guy like some other coaches couldn't bring to the table right now? I don't know. Um, control. <laughs> Maybe he has control over the whole franchise. Yeah. Ha- why did they give him that? That's what I don't because understand. My, what has Jeff Fisher proven that? Warrants him having control over football operations. Maybe they're just desperate. Maybe they can't find anybody else. But. They're I in L.A. Like, now. A, they're in L.A. B, it's the chance to restart a former glorious franchise. You're telling me nobody would even think about going? I'll tell you one and thing. And Jeff Fisher's go. the best they could do? I want to go if I were coaches of the Rams. That's a disaster franchise. Why would <laughs> well, I go right over now, there? Yeah. Right now it is, but you have Todd Gurley in the backfield. They have talent. They, they, they Donald, have pieces. Yeah. Ta- Donald Quinn on the defensive line. They have Donald. They have Aaron Donald. Robert Quinn on the defensive line. So and they have you, a lot of talent. And if you put offensive pieces around Jeff Goff on the coaching side, maybe you can actually throw him out there to start. Now I'll tell you this though: if you had the choice to choose between the Browns and the Rams, which coaching position would you the choose? The Rams. From? It's not even close. It really isn't. One year in Los Angeles over. <laughs> 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 like the weather alone, it's an easy call. Two. Cleveland's just a mess, football-wise. Yeah, over 50 years, they're still a disaster. They haven't had a, a starting quarterback. It's a good. The only for, reason they retired that that stupid quarter, it wasn't stupid, but the reason they retired that whole quarterback's jersey, it's only because LeBron and them won the title. Yeah. Otherwise, we would see Griffin and then wait, McCown was already on it, so jeez, it'd be McCown again. Yeah, and the immortal Johnny Manziel. Who sent the tech to Ray Farmer? Let's wreck the league together. He wrecked the Browns franchise because they <laughs> should have just picked Teddy Bridgewater. Hell, he yeah. wrecked his life. Yeah, it's sad to say. But what, what if they picked Teddy Bridgewater? I don't think something bad would have happened to Bridgewater. So like you say that just going to Cleveland's a curse, and then you say, yeah. what job would you rather have, the curse job or the job in Los Angeles? 
obviously you take the job in Los Angeles. Yeah, because Cleveland is just a cursed city. Even though they won a title with the Cavaliers. Like they got the UFC heavyweight champion of the world, Stipe. Yeah, but they still want no, a they're, title. You're right, though. They're, they're, it's, it's a mess they, over there. But Cleveland's they're good now. They got Cavaliers winning a title, so they're happy for now. And then a couple of years, they'll probably go for another title or something, hopefully. But Oh, well, the NBA training camps. I think Cleveland opens up Monday. With well, media day. Well, everybody opens up Monday. And well, at the very least, you got the Indians who are still oh yeah, the AL Central. The baseball, yeah. So maybe the Indians make a run. Then I just want to see an Indian-Cubs World Series. Well, at least one curse will end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy, right? Which team you know the is? rating, the people, the networks, like Fox wants to see that. That would be interesting. I actually want to see, wanna see that. that. I mean, I want to see the Yankees in the World Series, but that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, unless they go on the magical run. And then they make the playoffs, and then they make the World Series. After trading everybody of talent yeah, away. I know. All the young assets just suddenly step up, become stars in the playoffs. That'd be the that would be. Ray, what do you think about Gary Sanchez? You had a lot to say about him. I'll tell you, he's the MVP. He should he's be the, the MVP. MVP. He should be, okay, okay. I'm he should gonna, be the MVP. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, he should be the MVP of the team. But well, how about we know this? Ray, you said the MVP of the sport. Like okay. the American League. He should be the rookie of the year, though, at most. At rookie of the year. That's going to Mazzara. But you if, can't if, give him the award for two months of production. But if he, what if he, what and if I he, want him to win. What if you he, can't give him the award? What if he ends with twenty-five home runs? What if and they like don't make the playoffs? What if they don't make the playoffs? I think he should be rookie of the year. Regardless. If they don't make the playoffs, I still think he should what be rookie of the year. What about Fulmer from Detroit? He's had a pretty decent year. Yeah, but what Sanchez is doing is remarkable. I never seen any rookie ever do this in Yassiel this short Puig amount of time. It's something similar for the Dodgers a few years back. And yeah. now look at Yasiel Puig. Yeah, he's a disaster right now. So they didn't give him. They gave the award, I think, that year to Jose Fernandez, who did it for the whole year. It's rookie of the year. I, I think Gary Sanchez should be in that conversation, but it's tough to give him that award. Rookie, of, it should be just be rookie for. There the, are of rookies the year. of the month. You <laughs> could get that award. <laughs> Has he won one of those already? He won it for August. Yeah, he won it. But I still is think he, would he be eligible for next year? Or is he is he cross no, the plate? I think I think he definitely crossed the plate. I still think though, if they make the playoffs, he should be rookie of the year, and Joe Girardi should be manager of the year. Case closed. You could argue Joe Girardi manager of the year, maybe if they make who, the playoffs. Who, okay, so if they don't make the playoffs, who's your manager of the year? Terry Francona for the AL, and uh, from the Washington Nationals. You don't want to Dusty take Baker. Joe Madden. I, I think that what the Nationals are doing is more impressive than what the Cubs are doing. Because I think a lot of people expected How? what the Cubs were going to do this year based on their lineup. Like, well, the Nationals just added Daniel Murphy. And yeah, so, and Daniel Murphy's away. probably AOS, <laughs> probably no, MVP. Bryan's probably get that award. You don't think Daniel Murphy's going to get it? Chris Bryant will probably get that award. Have you seen Murphy's stats? Of course I've seen Murphy's stats. <laughs> it's <Every>, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, like, and Bryant's are actually better. Yeah, I think Chris Bryant's going to get that award. The Cubs are a better team. They're a better story. Chris Barnes is going to get that award. He's like 38, almost 40 home runs. He's going to get that award. If there was a Chris Bryant, though, Daniel Murphy won the award, Mets fans would, you know, they jump would never. Off the oh, my goodness. Yeah. They almost jumped off the bridge until his dribble Cabrera shook flushing at the very core. Yeah. Well, the fact that they got swept by. If the Mets don't make the playoffs, it's their <laughs> doing. They just got swept by the Braves. Of all teams. The Mets don't make the playoffs. This is a disaster because they had the easiest schedule. And I said it before, they'll be the most met thing in the world if they got swept by the Braves and they got swept by the Braves and they dodged a bullet against the Phillies. 
So, that was a huge blow. They were down eight to six. Yeah. Like how crazy is that? First they were down six to four. Then Jose hits a two run home run. Then they're down eight to six. It was destined look for them who's to hitting lose. Hitting home runs. Like you, these guys aren't like <laughs> I power know. hitters. Yeah. Cabrera has like twenty three home runs though. No, he does. I think he broke the Mets shortstop record. Yeah, he did. But like as Jubal Carrera before the season started, you would not predict he'd hit twenty almost twenty five home runs. He's far removed from his prime in Cleveland. Far, far removed. So that's the whole thing. We could talk about the fact that they probably should have kept Daniel Murphy for that contract. Mm-hmm. Probably. But I don't think Daniel Murphy would be producing the power numbers at City Field that he's producing in Washington. See, I don't know about that because it was Kevin Long who made that adjustment to a swing in the first place in the postseason. Who's to say that that wouldn't have carried over? So but because of just going on based off the body of his career, not the one – the couple series that all of a sudden he turned into Babe Ruth. I get that. I get that, but that carryover has obviously come into this season. But it has. That to your point, you're right about that. But I, I'm going to say I didn't. I wouldn't expect it, and I don't think I'll so. Give you that. The, I mean, if you look at even the pitchers he hit it off of in the postseason last year, they were unreal. Exactly. Arietta. Like Arietta, Kershaw, Granke, Lester. He hit it off everybody, but I don't think you. There's no way. Nobody saw uh, that Mets said, you know, Daniel Murphy's going to hit 30 home runs this year or close to 30. Let's just let him go. If anything, That's the Mets true. thought that, like, he's going to be the same productive player, professional hitter, we, we could do better. There. But I don't think that, that – I've never been a fan of just letting Daniel Murphy go. Uh, I, I was, well, to be honest, though, like I said, it was a business decision. I had no problem with the Mets letting him go because – Let's say well, Neil Walker did have did have a pretty decent year until he got hurt. Yeah, but let's just say if the Mets did keep him and he did this, then everybody would be like, you know, smart decision. But now they let him go, it's like, oh, it's a terrible no, this decision. Has been, it wasn't really a heralded decision to begin with. It was always like a risk. Like, you're giving up a guy, you know what you're going to get. The problem with the Mets was they wanted they, – they thought David Wright would actually be healthy. No, And they didn't happen. know what to do with Daniel Murphy because they wanted to bring up Dilson Herrera, who's not on the, with the organization anymore. And they didn't have a place to put Daniel Murphy, and they're not going to pay him $12 million a year to be a part-time player. And if they were in the A, and I think you probably just mentioned it, but if they were in the AL, they would have kept DH him. him. Exactly. Because yeah, Daniel Murphy sure. in the field is always an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> he makes those arrows and stuff, but he's still a great offensive player as of right now, what he's doing. So, I mean, he's impressive. And hope and hopefully, though, the Mets do make the playoffs and they do meet up with the Nationals. That will be an interesting matchup. It would. I don't see it. I don't see it happen. I think the Mets. It'll be interesting. If there's a three-way wild card tie. Oh boy. Because oh, like then you have to play a game to determine the wild card winner. Then the loser of that flies to their home city to play the second wild card, which actually is an advantage for the second wild card team if you think about it. Because if you're playing for the original wild card, you're basically playing two wild card games. Oof. No, th- like think about it. Like with the Mets, with their injuries to their pitching, I think this is just not their year. The last year was the year because they had the, they found a way to somehow blow the World Series after leading in the late innings in ev- almost every game. And I'll say it once and I'll say it again. I don't know how Juris Familia's arm is still on. Yeah, Terry Collins just keeps running him out there. Like every Terry Collins is going to ride or die with Juris Familia because that strategy's worked well with DeGrom, Harvey, Syndergaard, and now Matt's is hurt. And the worst part about it is if we look at the way he handled Familia last year and this year, it's pretty much exactly the same. And when they got to the World Series, he ran out of gas. Yeah. yeah. I just can't I can't believe they, they, they did the most Mets thing possible. In the World they Series. Literally, no other team has ever collapsed like that. 
Seriously, you could go back. There's like in the hundred plus years of the World Series, no other team has had has blown four leads in that late of the innings. In other words, they would have won the World Series. Well, they should have, and that was probably their year because all their arms are falling apart. Look at what <laughs> basically like the Chicago Cubs, except not as cursed. Lord have mercy. By far, last year was their year for the Mets to win, and now it looks like it's not going to happen anytime soon for them to get back to that point. It's going to be tough. But as we mentioned at the top of the broadcast, it is in Quasonia's last show. Mm-hmm. So Ray, what is your favorite Qua moment throughout these eighteen episodes? Oh my god! Well, I think my favorite Qua moment was when he uh, was laughing hard for the time I said about. Um, I believe it was about the clearly Yankees. a specific moment. So I believe about the, it was about the Yankees I specifically laugh about or something. Everything. Well, you, you, in you general, can't. Re- you, I said, "What's your favorite moment?" And you're having trouble remembering your favorite moment. The, my favorite moment is that he's part. He was part of the show. And he's always talking about all the good stuff when it's around sports. That is, uh, you know what, Ray? Can you do? Can you just do this, Jeremy? Can Ray, you do it? what the? What do you? I, I, I mean, it really is a favorite moment. I, I think every, the camaraderie. Every episode is a favorite moment. That's really sweet. See, that's. I'll, I'll say it like for, that for you guys who can't see it. Ray's uh, combustibly burst into tears. What the? That's I'm not <laughs> bursting into tears. Whoa! He's whoa. really taking this hard. No, I'm not taking it hard. But Quaz moving on to bitter, better things. We wish him luck. He's always welcome back. And now we're going to close this episode of Slam City. You can follow us on Twitter at Dunk at Slam underscore. I don't know the Twitter. Hold anymore. on, but before we go, you there, know, let Quaz. Your, Qua, fa- I want to know what's your favorite. moment I don't have is. one. Whoa, 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 whoa! We gotta have your favorite moment. I don't have I said one. My, oh, what do you mean you don't have one? I'm not I'm not at least, at least he was upfront about it. I'm not it. sentimental. I see him all the time. <laughs> He's not dying. He's just not going to come He's and fight anymore. <laughs> But oh. for one last time, let's let Qua wrap it up. Say his goodbyes to the listeners. Well, I'll, I'll say this much: I, I I always think back to that first episode. Dominique, we got Shabazz. here so early. Tried to set up the studio. We went through all. No, no, no there's not a week. You made everybody move the lights and everything forty-five times. That is that still we? No, because I had I thought it was perfect the first time. <laughs> but either way. We had all the, the mishaps electronically, like the the strip in the corner kind of fizzled out on us a couple of times. But you know what? The we camera st- broke when Dominique came in. <laughs> and, he, and he's such a big dude. He, his hands would go on the table and would make noise. Not quite like that. I think that I think to be honest, I think that might be my favorite moment. Well, you we can't piggyback off his favorite no. moment. This is his goodbye. Now you're piggybacking on it. I'm just thinking oh about my right God, now. I'm just, I'm just thinking about right now, though. I, th- I think that that's probably my favorite yeah, moment. Yeah, like Ray, is, first he, episode. Ray again has started crying. I'm not <laughs> crying. <laughs> wow. But but one thing I do know is this: you two are going to continue to do great things with the show. The rapport has already been really really good, and frankly, I'm still going to subscribe to it. Everyone should. Definitely keep supporting and listening to these guys. Cause and maybe he'll make a guest good. appearance. I hope so. Yeah, maybe. I really do hope so. I don't know. Ray's a little betrayed right now. I'm, you I'm you can see how he, his emotions is all over his face. It, it went from crying and now he's really, really upset. Cr- his hands are on his hips right now. Whoa. And he's staring me down. See, I told you. You see I'm not, this. You see I'm this. not even emotional right, right now. You have a lot of sass in you right now. No, I'm not. No, <laughs> you're looking I'm really not, sassy right now. I'm not. Being sassy right now, okay? You have a lot of emotions. You're crying. I'm not it's, it's okay. crying. I'm Look, not emotional. I gave you like three or four good laughs. You can pick from one of those to see which one is your favorite. Anyway, for at least for me the final time, but definitely not for these guys. Absolutely not for these guys. 
Follow us all on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes and on SoundCloud. And also on the Twitter. At Morning At Jeremy EPS. At N underscore A-S-O-N-Y-E. The podcast at Slam underscore Slam City underscore 360. I'm already messing it up. I messed it up too. So <laughs> and last but not least, the big site at The Dunk 360. There's only one. That's right. Thanks, you guys. Jay and Ray take it next week. Deuces.